Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Monday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out more online at pearlriverresort.com. But do yourself a favor, visit in person. You've got plenty of basketball action. Uh, what, six days from now, you got two massive football games with spreads that are minuscule for both games. In fact, Bengals-Chiefs on the AFC side of things is a pick and uh, less than a field goal in the 49ers-Philadelphia game as well. Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us, won't you, on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, and that is right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online, cspire.com slash business. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Hope you had a great weekend. Boys, what, what a weekend for the NFL. We had a great uniform game. We had a great visual game in terms of the snow in Buffalo that made that so much fun to watch. Uh, and then a couple games on Saturday were uh, were fun as well. Uh, did, did you get your NFL football fix this weekend? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he says. I, I heard it described earlier, and I thought it was spot on. This weekend was the setup episode weekend. You've all got your favorite show. Um Pick any of them. Whatever. Is it Yellowstone? Is it Game of Thrones? Is it any of them? Whatever. Full House reruns, whatever. Well, not Full House. I mean, that, that that doesn't necessarily apply here. We're more talking about, <laughs> you know, know, Ozark or whatever. But you're watching these shows and you love the episodes. And then there's one where it's like a lot of politicking happened. There was a lot of dialogue, a lot of talk, but not so much action. They were setting up the action for next week, but a lot of narratives were formed. People call it a setup episode. That's what this weekend was. It was a setup episode, more so than it was like super duper compelling actual football. The narratives are driving what happened this weekend more than the actual play on the field. You get the legend of Mahomes and his injury and, and what that means. You get Joe Burrow's quote after beating the Bills and whether or not 
Josh Allen and, and McDermott are capable of winning at that level. You get the Dak stuff because you're always going to get the Dak stuff and the Cowboys stuff. The football itself was fine. It's more about narratives this weekend than the actual like games were awesome. Hey, Dad, which of those four games was the most fun to watch? <laughs> I only watched two of them, so uh, I guess I'll go with the Bengals. The Bengals, uh, anytime you get a snow game, it's going to be good. And I'm... I'm I'm become officially interested. Not that I wasn't before, but is Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the league? Ooh, I'm starting to buy into that idea. And if he can beat Mahomes for a second time, I don't know how I'm going to say otherwise. I I just feel like he he might be the number one guy right now. You know, it's there's a great debate there because healthy Patrick Mahomes is just all kinds of special. And we think that Josh Allen deserves to be in that conversation. But Buffalo was not very good yesterday. The the thing that stood out to me, Borky, yesterday, and, and I don't know if you felt this way, it was from the opening drive. Cincinnati dominated that football game. Mm-hmm. And they dominated yeah. it through the air. And they dominated on the ground. I was watching it with a buddy uh, yesterday, and, and we were talking about the fact that Cincinnati got whatever they wanted to get whenever they wanted to get it. Buffalo could not get a crucial stop when they needed it. And if it was Cincinnati kind of trying to run out the clock or grind it out on the ground, there we go, six yards a pop, eight yards a pop. Joe Mixon, there he goes again. If it was, and especially early, and I, it, tell me if this makes sense. I mean, Joe Burrow made the throws. Right, I mean, that first touchdown was, you know, moving. But I thought it was Joe Burrow with his feet more than with his arm. He threw for 242 yards, and I don't mean running the ball. He had six carries for 31 yards in the game. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way he moved in the pocket. He was sacked only one time, so it was, you know, some lateral movement. But I thought also stepping up and then moving toward the line of scrimmage and being able to make... That throw, almost just like a flick of the wrist, while moving in the snow with not great footing and just pinpoint accuracy. I know he had to throw it with his arm, but I thought it was his feet that set those throws up. Yeah, and and the nickname Joe Cool is apt, isn't it? I mean, not even talking about the snow, but think about that. Hostile environment, unfavorable weather conditions. Mm -hmm. I love watching the snow game like that because you still got a pretty high level of football. It wasn't like detrimental, but it's still hard to play in that, even the snow that they had. So on the road, hostile environment, bad weather, and like we say all the time about Joe Burrow, it's just like it's another day to him. Like he's just going through a walkthrough. I mean, just completely unfazed, so calm and comfortable, like he's played in that game a million times before, and it's just another Tuesday for that guy. That That's his demeanor. That's how he plays, and his team mirrors that. And, I mean, contrast that with what you saw from Allen. Allen at times looked panicked, looked rushed. Uh, the delayed blitzes that Cincinnati brought to him just confused the heck out of him, especially in the second half. He had yeah. no idea what was coming. And he looked rattled and flustered. Uh, the, the contrast at the most important position on the field it was was staggering. One looked flustered, one looked rattled, the other one looked like it was just another day. 
Think think about the eight quarterbacks that we had playing this weekend. Right, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. If I had told you guys on Thursday or Friday that we would have eight quarterbacks, all of whom in their own right are pretty good players, and none, not one of those eight quarterbacks would, would throw for 300 yards in a division-round playoff game this weekend, would you have taken that bet? You, you would have bet that one of those eight would go for over 300 one, yards Puss, passing, wouldn't you? Yeah. My bet yeah, would have sure. been Hurts. Burrow threw for 242. My homes would have been mine. Josh Allen threw for 265. Trevor Lawrence threw for 217. Patrick Mahomes, 195. Chad Henney, 23. They didn't combine for 300. Obviously limited time that you had Chad Henney in that game. That Henney drive was pretty awesome, though. Mahomes gets hurt. Ancient Chad Henney. I mean, ancient Chad Henney. Steps in and leads a 98-yard touchdown drive like it's nothing. That was pretty awesome. Daniel Jones goes for 135. Jalen Hurts for 154. And then in the late game yesterday, you had Dak go for 206. And Brock Purdy go for 214. The offensive output in these games was not spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of good defense. And defense and, and running games. Yeah, and, and so the question for me is, will that change in the conference championship games this weekend? When you look ahead to the, the games this weekend, 49ers at Eagles, Bengals at Chiefs. If I was going to bet there was going to be a 300-yard passer, I would go to the late game and say that it comes from the Bengals-Chiefs game. Yeah. That Niners defense yeah. is good. It's so good. They're good everywhere. So is the Eagles. Yeah, so is the Eagles. The yeah. Niners are good everywhere but quarterback, and they're not bad at quarterback, but they, they are elite everywhere. Christian McCaffrey scores the big touchdown for um, for, for the 49ers. Once again, that midseason acquisition continues to be massive for them. And a trade that was good on both sides, right? I mean, it's, it was great for San Francisco, We'll see. Looks like it could be good for for Carolina in the long run. You know, maybe one of those deals where where everybody wins. It was um, and 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 how about how about the kicking game for Dallas? Two pretty important field goals, but that first him. extra point blocked yeah. on the heels of missing four extra points. I and and they pointed out on the broadcast that even if it hadn't been blocked, he was going to miss it. Oh, he yanked that thing. Yeah. Yeah, lined up on the left hash, and it was what the the the, the tackle to the left of the center yeah. that got his hand on it. Never had a chance. Never had a chance. Um, so so last week when he missed, I believe it was his third. NFL Films caught Dak Prescott on the sidelines, yelling, saying, "Go for expletive two. And I saw that video today that said. When you've thrown one interception in the divisional round, and it was Dak saying, "Go for, go for two, meaning mm. throw, throw my second one. It's a pretty good burn. Shaq Bully says, don't underestimate the emotional drain of almost watching your brother die on the field of play and the toll that it took on the Bills. They were flat. Yeah, but were they flat last week? Were they flat in the 
regular season finale. I mean, I, I think I, they just I, got smoked. I think they just got beat by a better team yesterday. I don't think it was flat so much. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back with you. Just getting started in the Pearl River Resort Studios. For Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Mississippi on this Monday afternoon, the 23rd of January. Thanks, as always, for being with us. So let's walk through all four games. By the way, we've got winners and losers coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. That's how we'll start things there. You can be thinking about what you like from the weekend and what you did not like from the weekend. 5 o'clock hour, we'll start things off the college football fix, and we are going to begin our countdown of 25 baseball teams in 25 days. We'll go through all 14 teams in the SEC. We'll include Southern Miss. Then we'll look at some non-conference opponents and some top 25 teams going into the season. So that's going to be fun. And uh, we'll do that a little bit later this afternoon. Leah Van, who covers LSU for the Advocate, will join us. And we'll talk some LSU baseball with her a little bit later this afternoon. But right now we'll continue to focus on the uh, division round playoff games from this weekend, and let's just kind of walk through those, uh, I guess, in the order in which... Uh, should we go reverse order? Yeah, or let's we start go- with the Cowboys. Okay. Got to. So, if we're starting with the Cowboys, I think the conversation starts with Dak Prescott. Obviously, this is a really good San Francisco team. It's a San Francisco team that is capable of winning the Super Bowl. They've got to get by Philadelphia. they got to do that on the road. They're going to be a two-and-a-half-point underdog or at least that's where the uh, the line stands right now, going into that game on Sunday. It's the early game on Sunday. But before we look ahead to that game, we've got to look back at the one that just happened. Cowboys going on the road. First of all, I mentioned this out of the gate. Spectacular uniform matchup. I mean, could it have been any better? You had the blue skies over Santa Clara, packed house, everybody in the stadium in red, other than the Cowboys fans that were, were sprinkled in. Cowboys in their traditional whites with the silver pants. Niners in their traditional reds with the gold pants, the gold lids, the silver lids. I mean, I I don't know that it's possible to have a better uniform game than you had there yesterday. I know that means absolutely nothing, but it was as aesthetically pleasing as it could possibly be to watch that game. Now, there's a different aesthetic that if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan that was was less pleasing, and that was your football team. 19 to 12 was the final. Dak goes 23 of 37 for 206 yards with one touchdown and two interceptions. He was sacked one time. He carried the ball four times for 22 yards. He was not good yesterday. The first interception what he's throwing it to the to the boundary, I guess to his left. He's late. And it was a pretty easy interception for the corner that jumped the route. It was not a good decision. And then the second interception wasn't a very good one either. And oh by the way, what was the third the the 
it was it third it was third and ten with like two seconds left when they lined up in the crazy formation with Zeke Elliott snapping the ball as the only offensive lineman and he just got plowed. <laughs> and the play they run down seven with time expiring is throw like an eight yard out, but what other option did Dak have with a defender in his face there, I guess? What 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 do what do you do with this if you're Jerry Jones, if you're Mike McCarthy, if you're the Cowboys? Nothing you can do. It's a ninety million dollar cap hit next year, so you can't move him. I've been thinking about this though. So I mean, if we're being totally honest, Dak stunk last night. It was bad. He was bad, objectively bad, and doesn't win enough of the game, right? But. The, the Dallas Cowboys have not been to the NFC Championship since I was my son's age. I was three years old the last time the Cowboys went to the NFC Championship game. There are a lot of quarterbacks not named Dak Prescott that have taken snaps for the Cowboys in the seasons that did not end with the NFC Championship. They also brought in a Super Bowl winning head coach and they still have no success whatsoever. I wonder if people are spending all day today talking about quarterback and it's valid, talking about McCarthy, and it's valid, but not talking about the person at the top that's been running the show the entire time. At what point do you start blaming the owner-slash-GM for their lack of postseason success for three decades and not just blame it on the quarterback? Because was it Romo's fault, too? Was it Jason Garrett's fault, too? Was it Drew Bledsoe's fault, too? Was it Aikman's fault, too, at the end of his time in Dallas? I mean... There's one constant in all of the Cowboys' failures, and it's not coach or quarterback. But there's nothing you can do about the owner who wants to be the GM. True. And there's no doubt that there are plenty of Cowboys fans that do not think that Jerry Jones has done a great job constructing that roster over the last quarter of a century. What, 27 years since they last won a Super Bowl? I mean, look at the team. Who do they have? CeeDee Lamb is a good player. He is. And Tony Pollard's a pretty good player, but he got hurt early in this one. And then who else do they have? No one. There, there's nobody Schultz, on that the team. Tight that end stay. Is good. But he's, he's okay. but he's not Travis Kelsey. Right. So, you know, you have that. And then you ask what you can do. I'm sorry. You just got to be smarter. Fire Mike McCarthy and tell Sean Payton you'll pay him whatever he wants. That is just the easiest solution in the world. He would go, he would take that job, he would he'd want to be a cowboy, and there's no way you can convince me Dak doesn't get better under Sean Payton's tutelage. Let me ask you this, though. As good as Sean Payton was as the head coach of the Saints, the relationship, the working relationship that he had with Mickey Loomis in terms of building that roster the way they believed it needed to be built together, he would not have that in Dallas. He's, he's going to need some not, control. Well, even uh, and, but, but Peyton's the one with the leverage. Is he going to be given it? Be given it? He's the one with the leverage. He can be. He can say, "I need this, or I'm not coming," and it becomes pretty. You know, it's 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 on Jerry Jones at that point. Is the problem Mike McCarthy though? I mean, do do they become appreciably better if Sean Payton is the head coach as opposed to Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy is an average head coach, in my opinion. He's just an average head coach. You can do better than him. 
How many Super Bowls has he won? It's one, right? Yeah. How many Super Bowls has Sean Payton won? One. One with the Saints versus the Packers. Yeah. Well, there's a difference in those franchises. Yeah. I mean, what were the Saints before Sean Payton arrived? The worst franchise in the league, year in, year out. They were bad for a long time. Yeah. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Mike in Gulfport says, if the Saints won't get Sean Payton back, Dallas is where he, uh, where he would land. Jones can pay. How many Super Bowls did he win, and why did he leave Green Bay? Well, okay. you got to fire McCarthy first, but, I mean, he's about to do his second interview with Denver, so if, uh, if you're Jerry and that's what you want, you got to hurry. Because second interviews, I mean, everybody out there has been through the hiring process at some point. Sometimes you get hired after one interview, but when you're, when you're working and, and trying to work for, let's say, a bigger company, they interview you multiple times. And the second interview is usually a pretty good sign of, okay, we're about to hire you. And Denver has already uh, talked with the Saints about what it would take in terms of gra- draft capital. They've already talked with Sean Payton about what it would take in salary, and they're about to interview him again. What do you think that means? Well, they're about Broncos to hire him as their next head pick. coach. Broncos don't have a first-round pick this year. They may not They may not get him. I think they do. They, they, they Dude, got a uh, trade with somebody else. They've got one. They, they do. If you If you say so. I see that their their first round pick goes to the Seahawks. As part of the Russell Wilson deal. Yeah, I mean, unless I'm just unless this article is wrong. Um, Cody says a coach yeah, change isn't isn't going to help Dallas, so they've got. Oh, it's not good enough. So the Broncos have got the 49ers first round pick. Okay, that's not good enough. 29th isn't isn't good enough. Well, then maybe they're having to go this year's first-round pick and maybe one next year as well. Yeah, first and a third, maybe, maybe another first. But they're, they're, they're far down that road, and so Jerry better hustle. But he's made no indications that he will. But, I, I mean, I listened to a lot of radio tonight, and everybody was ripping on Dak, and he deserves it. You're a $160 million quarterback. You throw two picks in a playoff game. Your offense can't move the football. You have one touchdown drive, two field goal drives where you had a short field, one you had a turnover like on San Francisco's 20, and it ends in a field goal. But nobody today talked about Jerry. And I kept thinking about how long it's been that the Cowboys have been like this. And it, remember, it was all Romo's fault. Ah, Romo's mediocre. Romo sucks. Dak sucks. Jason Garrett sucks. All these people suck. There's one constant in Dallas, and, and nobody today talked about that one constant. Is it because it's a, a worthless conversation? Like, it may be true, but the idea that, oh, he needs to... I mean, Cody said a coaching change isn't going to help. They need an ownership change. That's not happening. That part of it's not happening, so it's almost like it's a waste of oxygen to, to talk about it. But maybe that's what needs to happen. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome again. Sports Talk Mississippi. Some of your messages on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Mike in Gulfport says uh, Dallas had the team way back when. Just call out the names, then go back to the Steelers and other multiple Super Bowl winners. Dallas has a good team, but not as loaded as the legacy teams were. Free agency has a lot to do with that. And he says just forget the Patriots and what they did with free agency. Or are they, forgot the Patriots and they did it with free agency. They did. But they also had a guy named Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and good defenses and players who were kind of willing to take discounts to go be part of the Patriot way. That was certainly a unique situation. Quarterback took a discount. It's just repeatedly, yeah, like over and over and over. And I'm I'm not doing the Belichick is nothing without Brady, but look at him before Tom and after. There, there's a little quid pro quo there with the two of them. Belichick was great because of Brady, and Brady also won six Super Bowls. Thanks a lot to Belichick. They they were both perfect for each other for a long period of time and I mean I know Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa but neither of them have been the same since no you're right you're right Bowen Indianola says that Dak should be the backup so we're gonna we're gonna bench a 190 million dollar quarterback to play Cooper Rush we're gonna read Bowen Indianola's text about Mississippi State related things and try to take them seriously that's what we're gonna do That's what we're doing. He says you can't blame Jerry that the roster is better than how many NFL teams. It is better than a lot of teams, but it's also not as good as a bunch of teams. They won, what, 14 games? 12. 12? 12 plus, what, first-round playoff game. So 13. Yeah. I mean, they were a good team. It's it's just... I mean... like I said, Bo, and I know you're just trying to get Haydad riled up. In but. fairness, in fairness, Bo says the rooster is better. So I don't know about the chicken situation there in Dallas. Could be totally different. <laughs> well, yeah. I got a text message from a friend last night. Curious if you guys agree with this. And it's not supposed to be inflammatory. He, he texted me this. He said, Dak is good. He's just not great. Win a lot of regular season games, but nothing that matters. There's not a clutch gene in him. Nice person, great for the franchise, won't win the game that matters. Clutch gene, are you friends with Skip Bayless? <laughs> I, hmm. I mean, this, this is kind of a sobering thing, but I think the results back it up. I mean, he he's closer to Kirk Cousins than he is Patrick Mahomes. You know, I mean, he, he's he's closer to Kirk Cousins. That, that's... He's a really good quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. But he is a tier below the great quarterbacks in the NFL. Just can't or, or hasn't so far. He's still young. I mean, it's, it's not like th- this is the obituary, right? But so far, the playoff success is not – it doesn't match the, the hype nor the salary. Am I getting this right? So this was year seven for Dak in the league. And, and I mean, I don't even know if it's fair to compare anybody directly to Patrick Holmes, Mahomes. But you have to because he's in the league right now. I mean, he's he's kind of the standard in the league right now. Is that five straight AFC championship games for Patrick Mahomes? Is that right? Um, he hasn't missed one since he took over as the starter. 
And all of them have been at home, haven't they? How about that? He has not won a road playoff game, I don't think. Has he played in a road playoff game? I don't think so. I think that's that's the rub. I'm fairly certain he has not won a road playoff game. I'm fairly certain. I could be wrong, but... All right, here but, we I mean, go. This is, this is how football goes. I mean, not everybody can be Joe Montana in the 80s. Yeah. Somebody had to be Marino and Elway losing Super Bowls and losing playoff games. Somebody yeah. had to be those guys. you know. And you go to the 90s, and not everybody could be Troy Aikman. And you go to the 2000s, and not everybody could be Tom Brady. I mean, that, that's, that's how the NFL is. Only one team gets to win. And Dak has not been put in a great position to win, in my opinion. Now, Dak has certainly did not play well last night, and Dak has not played well in the playoffs before. But I think it's a combination of all those things. But the fact that he hasn't won four Super Bowls to this point, I mean, he's a good NFL quarterback. So my guess mm-hmm. is the market rate for what and people talk about him being overpaid. The market rate yeah. for what he for what he is is a, probably close to what he's making. Yeah. What do you think about this message? It says I've been working a take that is hot, but the stats actually back me up. Dak and Josh Allen are the same level. Look at 2021. The last season, Dak had a fully healthy year. The passing stats were the same, and both players make the playoffs more than not, but can't win the big game. If Dak was in Buffalo, he would be beloved, and if Josh was in Dallas, he would be the one that is being hated. I mean, there's a lot of accuracy to that. Comes because when you're the quarterback of the Dal, exactly when you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. You have more pressure. It's like being the shortstop for the Yankees versus being the shortstop for the Brewers. It's like being the point guard for the Lakers versus being the point guard for the Bobcats. And it just, this, that's just the nature of the beast. It's nobody's fault. It's certainly not Dak's fault, but that I, I agree with that text. Allen, however, though, is three years younger and has more playoff wins. Yeah. He does. But he stunk yesterday, too. I mean, and and he's kind of getting roasted today. It's just the Cowboys, of course, to say that said command more attention. I mean, I still think we should stop calling them America's team because uh, America wins. I mean, we're undefeated in world wars. Uh, We're the the richest, most successful country the world has ever seen. A, A team that hasn't won anything of value in three decades should not get the label of America's team. It's insulting to the stars and stripes, man. I mean, I remember when the Braves were America's team, losing 95 games a season. It doesn't bother me that much. Hmm. Here's one. McCarthy is a problem. Kellen Moore is a problem. Dak was a problem yesterday. Yeah. It was a bad game for the, for the for them coaching, playing, everything. No, nothing worked for them yesterday. They only gave up 19. Defense worked. They only gave up 19 points. That should be enough to win. But it wasn't. I can't fact-check this. I'm just going to take it at face value on the C Spire text line. Dak's QBR is 14% lower than any other starting quarterback in the NFL under pressure. Yeah, they showed a stat, uh, something along the, those lines last night. Um, that they, they, they blitzed him, and he just didn't work out, didn't uh, didn't handle it well. But the same thing goes for Allen. We mentioned it earlier. And I mean, Mike Hilton, my gosh, all five foot nothing, hundred nothing. Mike Hilton is still a menace in the NFL, but Josh Allen handled pressure terribly, absolutely terribly yesterday. Also, Mike Hilton is one of the great football stories of the last fifteen years, ten years. Undersized college player that was really good got a shot in the NFL. Undersized NFL player that has been really good. And has made it impossible to take him out of the lineup. He just makes plays. 
Uh, I, I I did do a quick like brain search as Heydad was saying it. The Bobcats aren't uh, Bobcats aren't an NBA team anymore. Yeah, but you get the point. Maybe that was kind of the point. Yeah, who cares? Uh, let's see here. Ezekiel Elliott is washed up. Yeah, but that's not new news, is it? Yeah, that was another bad contract. Uh, Matthew in Oklahoma says we're going to be comparing everyone to Joe Burrow after this coming weekend. He will be four and zero against Mahomes. Could very well be the case. Yeah, but... I did love what Josh Pate had to say about Joe Burrow today, where he kind of defended me without doing it, talking about how people are like go back and like he was so underrated, so underrated, and like he said, look at his body of work prior to the 2019 season and rate that guy. Hey, he just he wasn't that great, and then all of a sudden something clicked, and he became. He got on the path to being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and to have the greatest season in college football history. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Let's not forget how good the 49ers defense is. Yeah, I don't think we're forgetting that. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we led with a second ago was, man, that 49ers defense is good. And Borky made the point they're good at every single position on the field. He said except for quarterback, but they're they're not bad at quarterback. Not bad. Hey, Brock Purdy was the third-string quarterback coming into this season, a rookie out of Iowa State. He wasn't supposed to be playing in that game yesterday. No. It was Trey Lance, and then it was Jimmy Garoppolo, and now it's Brock Purdy. I feel like that's going to be the difference this weekend, though. Because you've got seemingly pretty evenly matched football teams, and one is more dynamic at the most important spot on the field than the other. Purdy was 19 of 29 for 214 yards. He did not throw a touchdown, but he also did not throw an interception. The 49ers were not spectacular. Dallas's defense was good enough for the Cowboys to win yesterday. They gave up 19 points. Cowboys' offense wasn't good enough. And oh, by the way, that catch by George Kittle. He's oh, my goodness. Did he flip that ball to Jerry Rice after the catch? Yes, he did. That's like one of the coolest moments we've seen. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. It's in my face. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. good bit about 49ers Cowboys we can certainly come back to that later in the show this afternoon what about the uh, the game that preceded it yesterday Cincinnati and Buffalo Joe Burrow wait that's is that the one I'm supposed to be looking at that was yeah. the first one yesterday yesterday yeah yeah, yeah. with the snow 
Um, Burrow throws for 242 yards and two touchdowns, and both touchdowns came in the first quarter. He's 23 of 36. He carried it six times for 31 yards. Joe Mixon had over 100 yards rushing. He was so good yesterday. 20 carries for 105 yards. And they had 172 yards of rushing offense total. It was a really good day for him. It was a really good day for Cincinnati. And I don't know if you want to call it confidence or swagger or arrogance or classify it however you want to. All of the above. But Joe Burrow has got it in spades. And rises to the occasion also, right? I mean, think about the way the year began for Cincinnati. So they start the year with a win over the Ravens. But no, 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 I'm sorry. They start the year with a loss to the Steelers, three-point loss, a loss to the Cowboys, three-point loss. So they're 0-2 out of the game. And then they beat the Jets and the Dolphins, and then they lose to the Ravens. So they're 2-3 and three after five games. You know how many times they've lost since then? One time. They lost to the Browns 32-13 to in the middle of the season. A weird loss. After that loss to the Ravens in Week 5 that had them at 2-3, and three, they beat the Saints, they beat the Falcons, they lost to the Browns, and then they went on a run. Beat the Panthers, beat the Steelers, beat the Titans, beat the Chiefs, beat the Browns, beat the Bucks, beat the Patriots. Their game against Buffalo obviously was canceled. They beat the Ravens in the regular season finale. I mean, red hot. The only team that's hotter than the Bengals is the 49ers. Yeah. And you could probably argue the Bengals are hotter. They're motivated for sure. I mean, did the Burrow did the whole, you know, better cash those refunds thing because they were mad about the neutral site. The analytics people tell you that clutch doesn't exist, but I don't buy that at all. Joe Burrow so, is different if, when the the lights are the brightest or the snow is the heaviest or whatever it is. When it matters more, that's when Joe Burrow is the best. And I don't know how you quantify that, right? You the bigger the stage, the cooler the customer. Nah. Just got to look at the wins. That's a, that's an eye test stat. There's no analytic for it, like like Borky said. But he, he passes every stage, man. He... he uh, th- there's a chance because everybody thought that it was going to be Mahomes versus Allen, and that's going to be the next ten years of just you know Brady versus Manning type battles, right? We're always going to get Mahomes and Allen. Uh, I, I think th- th- there's a third party here that's put his hand up and said, "You guys have forgotten about me," and that's a mistake on your part. What was it he was asked? They last won't week? forget if he wins this weekend, though. How long is Cincinnati going to be a factor as yeah, long as I'm what, playing in what, the league? What's your team's championship window? He said, my whole career, window's open. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, he's got it all, man. He does. And now what's interesting about this game coming up is how healthy is Mahomes. Because I feel like Jacksonville, maybe you're just so afraid of him because despite being on the bum ankle, he can still throw you to death. I mean, it's just he's good at everything, but... It feels like they really didn't have that killer instinct of, okay, that's a wounded deer. Let's go get him. 
just pressure the heck out of him and pressure him and pressure him and make him move and make him adjust and test that high ankle sprain that he can't. He couldn't throw the little outlet passes, the quick take the snap and throw it, because he couldn't put pressure on the ankle to throw the ball fast enough. And it felt like Jacksonville just kind of sat back and were hoping to get pressure with four guys and didn't bring a lot. I expect Cincinnati to do the opposite. They're going to find out how healthy are you and if you can move, and we're going to bring guys from different places and test that ankle. Because there's no way in six days what happened to Mahomes is going to be back to 100%. There's no way that he will be healthy, like fully healthy. He's going to play because he's tough as you know what, but... The Bengals need to test him more than Jacksonville did. I think that cost Jacksonville. They were kind of afraid of him, and they should have just attacked. All right, so in the Bengals-Bills game, it's 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Did you feel like, okay, maybe this game is changing when Buffalo scored the touchdown on the 15-play drive that finished with the Josh Allen touchdown run to make it 14-7? to Did you feel mm-hmm. like... All right, here we go. Snow's falling. Buffalo's where they want to be. It's a one-score game. And then you got that massive answer from Cincinnati with the field goal with just yeah. under two minutes to go in the half. I did not. When it was 14 nothing. I said the Bengals are winning this game. Joe Burrow has come to play. Winners and losers when we come back. Talk Mississippi. Here we, here we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs> Again, Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk brought to you in part every day by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh, Great stuff happening at Genteel. The new spring apparel uh, is going to begin arriving next week. I was talking with, uh, with Blake and with Kim some of those guys over at Gentile last week, and they have a massive amount of inventory that is on its way to their warehouse for distribution to their retailers and uh, available to you online as well. Again, at GentileApparel.com. You can also find some end-of-the-season savings through their website. That is GentileApparel.com. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses the Oaks, and the Azaleas. Book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. It is time right now as we begin the 4 o'clock hour for winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how this works. Stuff you liked, well, that's a winner. Stuff you didn't like, that is a loser. Michael Borky, you bat lead off today. Give us a winner, my man. Uh, not basketball. Uh, no, the, the scene in Buffalo yesterday. You know, football weather, 
I agree with Barrett Sully when he says football weather is not when it's cold and raining. It's when it's 65 and partly cloudy. That's football weather. Perfect day. But that was awesome theater, scene, whatever you want to call it, where it was snowing just enough to cover the field but not too much to where it destroyed the game. I love that scene, and I loved watching it. So, yeah, the Mother Nature, the weather, Buffalo, whatever the case may be, whatever you want to call it, that was a winner because I enjoyed the heck out of watching Joe Burrow just dominate, really. And then Mike Hilton, who I said yesterday, I think he's the most underrated football player in Old Miss History, most underrated, because he was an elite college player, and he's five foot nothing and a hundred nothing. Shout out Rudy, and to go on and still be this good in the NFL at his size after being an elite college player. But when you talk to Ole Miss people about like you know Mount Rushmore top players, he never comes up, and I think he belongs there with how good he was in college and what he's doing in the NFL at his size. So the scene, the Bengals, Mike Hilton, winners. Hey Dad, give me a winner. Uh, you know, let's go with the Eagles. We didn't talk, we haven't talked about that game yet, but they were the they were the most impressive team this weekend. And I felt like, you know, maybe it's because through the years the Eagles have, have had a, a, a you know a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for reputation of going out early in the playoffs with some really good teams and, and not being the best playoff team. They were dominant over a New York Giants team that we felt like had some momentum, uh, and they, they they just crushed them there uh, in Philadelphia. Now they get to play home field. Uh, with the Niners, and I think they match up really well with them. And uh, yeah, so for me, the the Eagles I thought were the biggest winner of of, of the of divisional weekend. I think that's a uh, that's a good call. Porky said basketball not a winner, and locally I would agree. Although Southern Miss they are winning what now seventeen and four on the year. We'll get to them uh, coming up in uh, in a little bit. But I'm going to try and tie winner a winner and a loser together. College basketball overall is a little bit of a winner because it looks a little bit different at the top right now than traditionally it does. If you look at the new AP Top 25, I don't care if you like the poll or not. It's just kind of for the for making a point. Purdue is the number one team in the country. Alabama is the number two team in the country. First time they've been ranked this high in two decades. The Houston Cougars are number three. They lost their number one spot after losing a home game, or maybe it was on the road, a game to Temple. I think it was at home. Tennessee is up to number four. Kansas State is five. That's not what you expect to see the top five of college basketball be going into the last week of the month of January. And so I think that's good for college basketball, that the top five is not Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Michigan State, and UCLA. You could find some of those teams in the top 25, but I think overall it's good. And so I would put kind of college basketball on where it is at this point of the season in the winner's category, but here's the loser side of it. Basically, everybody that is an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan mentally has moved on from college basketball season. We've got a week left in January. Hold that thought, hey, Dad. I'm I'm, going to put a caveat on it for Mississippi State. There's a week left in January. 
the entire month of February, the first week of March to finish out the regular season, and then conference tournaments, and then the NCAA tournament. This is the time where all of the focus should be on college basketball, and you want fan bases to be excited. In the case of Ole Miss, they're 1-6 in in the league. Their best player got hurt on Saturday, and there's talk about future of the program and future of the head coach. Those are the storylines that go with Ole Miss basketball right now. There's more excitement for Mississippi State, but only because there's a first-year head coach. And it's a team that's kind of close, right? I mean, Mississippi State loses by two to Florida over the weekend. You are what your record says you are, and they're sitting at one and six in the league also. So that piece of it's not good. They're playing close games. There's a new coach. I think people are excited about maybe the direction of where this thing's headed. But it's a loser to have your two SEC teams in the state of Mississippi with no shot of making the tournament with a week left in January. That's a bummer. Because college basketball has been and can be exceptionally fun in Mississippi. It's just not right now. So college basketball at a whole, kind of a winner for where it is. Got some different teams, some new blood at the top. Eh, A little more locally, not so much. Hey, Dad, you kind of crinkled your eyes when I said people were checked out on basketball. You disagree? I thought there was a good crowd Saturday night, and, and we'll see what you know Saturday brings us when with TCU coming in. But I don't think people are as checked out on the Mississippi State side as, as you think they are. But it's only because it's a first-year head coach, right? Because it's new well, for whatever reason, though, like, for, uh, for the future, like people kind been, of bought back in a little bit. I think so, but I mean, you, people, you guys have been saying like basketball's dead, dead. It's, I wouldn't say that it's dead if people are still showing up to watch. And okay. I think once states gets state, state gets past this next two games, where they will have played six top twenty-five teams in nine games, and then the rest of the season don't play any top twenty-five teams, current top twenty-five teams, they have a chance to get some wins and get some more excitement going. Okay, love that. Ceasefire text line: Big difference. Jans is playing with Howland's players. Kerman is playing with his players. Eh. It's his team. Right, we, we we do that thing over current players, former players, whatever. I mean, Chris, they're they're playing. They're playing okay. My point is simply that um, if you're not in the hunt for the tournament, it's a tough sell. Any other winners? Any other winners? Got a loser. Burrow. Joe Burrow, a winner. That's fine. I'm good with that. No further explanation necessary, right? Don't need to say anything else, yeah. All right, loser. Brock Purdy. For, uh, but for this reason, he, he's he, he's kind of airing some grievances, and I think they're misdirected. He shared a quote, uh, which probably isn't even true, because Alabama offered him a scholarship and wanted him to go to school there. But according to Brock Purdy, this is what Nick Saban said to him while he was on a visit to Alabama. You're below average in height, your arm strength is whatever, and your accuracy is average. End quote. That is apparently what Nick Saban said to a guy that he wanted to go to Alabama to play for him. But either way, let's pretend that that quote is real and he's trying to do the ha-ha, gotcha, look-at-me-now thing. Brock Purdy's teams in his four years there lost 20 games. Nick Saban's teams, while Brock Purdy was at Iowa State, won a national championship and went to two others. I mean... 
<laughs> Nick Saban might have been kind of right there, Brock. I mean, he obviously he didn't need you because he was successful without you. It's a pretty rough cell phone, I think. <laughs> also, he offered you a scholarship. What are you talking about? You're just saying just shut up and play ball. Or, or the quarterback in your team to the NFC Championship. Yeah, game, what are you talking about Nick Saban for? We don't. You don't need to do the chip on your shoulder thing. But it's no, fine no, if no you have one. But you're. Oh, Nick Saban didn't offer me a scholarship. He just won a bunch of games in a national championship without me. <laughs> Owned. Not so much. Southern Miss basketball does deserve to be in the winners category. Currently second place in the Sun Belt, seventeen and four overall. One had over 5,000, I think it was, at a game this weekend, which is a massive improvement at Reed Green Coliseum. We'll get to yours next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, going through some winners and losers. You can send us yours on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Let your business get the edge that it needs with C Spire Business. They can help you with all of your IT needs. Visit them online at cspire.com slash business. Winner is from Terry in Greenwood. Mississippi State women's basketball. Had a nice win yesterday. Yeah, they've put a few wins together, too. Now i got a big game coming up Thursday in Oxford. Uh, I predict after year four with Jans, Richard, you will eat them words. Not sure what words you want me to eat. Everything I said about Mississippi State basketball was as of today. Had nothing to do with the future. When I said people were checked out on Basketball is based on where it is right now. Eh. And the larger point was teams got to get better. Need to be in the hunt at the end of January, not watching from the side. Winner, Southern Miss men's basketball. Agreed. Kelso says, of course, with the crowd was big at Reed Green. James Madison was in town. <laughs> okay. Okay, Kelso. Um, Mike in Oxford said, I was a winner last week for hitting a five-game parlay. I am a loser this week for losing all four legs of a four-game parlay. Yeah, but Mike, if you're going to lose, wouldn't you rather lose all four as opposed to hit three of them and lose just one to mess the whole thing up? Agreed. Brandon High School Varsity Cheer, Grand National Champions for the second year in a row in Dallas, Texas. Winners. That's on the C Spire text line. Congratulations. That's great. That is fantastic. Uh, winner, Isaiah Pacheco. The Henny drive was great, but may not happen without Pacheco's 39-yard run on that drive. Agreed. Uh, loser, Rara Thomas. Hmm. Yeah, really bad. 
If you missed that story, former Mississippi State wide receiver who transferred to Georgia this year during the offseason was arrested early this morning on a felony charge of false imprisonment and misdemeanor battery slash family violence. That is according to an athens Clark County jail official. The junior from Eufaula, Alabama, recently transferred to Georgia. He was released on Monday, earlier today, after posting bond. Arrested at 4.40 a.m. Eastern on Monday, according to jail records. Details of the incident were not immediately available. Thomas faces an immediate suspension from the Georgia football team after being charged with a felony. That is not a Kirby Smart rule. That is a University of Georgia Athletic Association guideline. It was expected to be a key addition for Georgia, who lost... Uh, A.D. Mitchell, Donnie Mitchell to the transfer portal, going to Texas. Thomas led Mississippi State this past year with 44 catches for 626 yards and seven touchdowns. We don't know the details of this yet, but it sounds bad. You've been in Athens for, what, two weeks? Yeah. Come on. Get that together. Just a mess there. Uh, let's see here. Do we have some more? What is the deal with false imprisonment these days? That's from Dwayne and Brandon. Uh, I don't know. Uh, John Rahm grinding it out to win the American Express this weekend. He's a pretty good golfer. Winner, the 49ers making the third NFC championship game in four years with Mr. Irrelevant. What else do we need? Winner, the Eagles' offensive line. They have dominated all year, and Saturday was no different. Kind of goes back to what you were talking about a second ago. Hey, Dad. The Eagles were the most dominant team in the playoffs this weekend. Yeah. You won. And they were the best team in the NFL for most of the year, I thought. So. Yeah, they were. Maybe we shouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. What else, boys? Any other winners or losers? Any others going? Going. Okay. It's a nice hmm. weekend. I mean, we, we don't have to rehash the Cowboys. We talked about that a good bit, but. It was a combination of a nice weekend and not a lot that would draw interest that but, we could get winners out of either. So It bears yeah. repeating that the Dallas Cowboys have not played in an NFC championship game. Since I was my son's age. 1996 was the year, but it was the 1995 season. I was three when the Cowboys last played in the NFC Championship game. The Jags have been to the AFC Championship game more recently than that. Jacksonville. Just levels of embarrassing for America's team. It's it's a shame. Messages on the ceasefire text line. Ra Ra Thomas. Mo money, mo problems. Uh, any updates on the Jarrell Poe arrest? Other than more people getting arrested. That is a 
story that feels like it is very complicated and has lots of layers and lots of involvement and entanglement and I tried to kind of keep up with that over the weekend and it was like I don't even know where all this is going. It's a mess. Yeah, you you really don't get the full details on stuff like that. I I've been been reading closely about the the four college students in Idaho that were murdered and the, the process and all that. I mean, we, we won't know possibly for years every detail that they currently know. I mean, it might be years from now before we know everything. But long story short on that, if you think you're off the grid, if, you, if you're if you not, you, you are not. I mean, if your location services on your phone are turned off, guess what? Does not matter. At all. So don't commit crimes is what I'm saying, because they'll catch you. <laughs> they will catch you. Don't There's, be a bad person. Yeah, don't, just don't commit crimes, because because even the, the Moscow, Idaho Police Department will, in short order, know exactly who did it. Because you just you can't get away with stuff anymore. And I, I know it's disappointing to hear, but you just can't. Here's one loser, Davis Thompson, who uh, is rookie on the PGA Tour and was in position to win yesterday, says uh, loser for not having his caddy tend to the pin on 17. Yeah, take the flag out, you weirdo. I mean, what do you pay the caddy for? <laughs> he's, he's getting 6% or, or whatever. Make it. Do you see Liv, by the way? Liv Golf got their big TV deal, the CW Network, and their final event of the season will be in November at 4 a.m. on the CW. So nothing says serious sports league like 4 a.m. on the uh, channel that has Grey's Anatomy reruns when your broadcast is over. Or One Tree Hill. You guys remember One Tree Hill? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah, That it, it lives on the CW along with Buffy Bill Mickelson. the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Mickelson. Sports Different kind self- of slayers involved in, in Live, not Buffy, but more real life. But still. Oh. Oh. Mm. Quick question before we go to a break. Any news on Dylan <sighs> Johnson? Uh, I visited Old Miss. Uh, he was week. on campus. He was on Mississippi State's campus all weekend, uh, and the, uh, he was a part of State's official visits this weekend talking to couple of the guys who committed to state that I assume we're going to talk about in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. So I would say right now it's leaning towards him remaining in Starville. And what were you saying, Borky? He visited Ole Miss this weekend he, also? Yeah, uh, last, week. last week. At some point made a quick trip to took, check it out. He took the Crick, He took the Crick, Chris Jones plan. I'll never forget. Get a, get a paycheck and go home. I will never forget. The that saga when it was being reported that he wasn't there and he was at home and I'm reading those reports and I look up and there he is right in front of me. It's like you, he's he's right there. I see him, I see him, right there. Kind of hard to miss too. You you can't, you can't not see guys that size. By the way, he uh, uh, and Willie Gay both for Kansas City. We didn't mention them earlier. Uh, dominant, dominant. Also, Fletcher Cox was really good. Darius Slay. I mean, State Mississippi State defensively has dudes in the NFL. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. 
And maybe the most dominant of them not still alive in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. With Jeff Simmons. Yeah. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. We're going to talk some LSU baseball when we come back, and that will bridge us into the start of 25 teams in 25 days. Leah Van coming up next on the Farm Bureau guest line. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 23rd of January. We're about a month, a little less than a month from the start of the college baseball season. February 17th is opening day. And uh, as we talked about last week with Kendall Rogers, the top 10, the top 25 is littered with teams from the SEC. And this year, there is a consensus number one going into the season. Another day, another number one ranking in the preseason for the LSU Tigers. D1 Baseball had them as number one in the preseason. So did Baseball America. And we had hoped to visit with Leah Van, and that may still work out, but we are not able to get her on the phone right now. I, I will say this. This LSU roster has got names that are going to be familiar to you because they've been there for a while. But they've also got a bunch of new names that are going to be big-time impact players. This is the scariest-looking LSU team since when? I mean, fill in the blank. Maybe before that, that you know, that 17 team that... Uh... That, that was the national runner-up, lost to Florida, was really good. But, I mean, you may have to go back a ways uh, to find an LSU team with this kind of talent top to bottom, especially with what they've got. You know, the, the power they have in that lineup is very similar. to the. I mean, they're not going to hit 40 home runs apiece, obviously, but it's very similar to those great LSU teams of the past. I was reading some of the quotes from Jay Johnson who, uh, you know, maybe being hyperbolic, says he's got the best job, best baseball job in America. He said, I wouldn't leave to be the manager of the New York Yankees. Okay. He might not make as much money as the manager of the New York Yankees as he uh, makes at uh, LSU. I I don't know. Um, I got a text that said 2009. Best LSU team since 2009. Is that their last national championship team? What, I think it is. And they lost two postseason games, the first game of the SEC tournament, a tournament in which they won, and then one game in the national championship series, game two. So they swept the regional, swept the super regional, swept in Omaha until the championship series and lost game two. That was a pretty dominant group. No question. You know, the, the, the crazy thing is, their best players are probably their returning players, but the new guys on the mound and at the plate, as good as you're going to find in the country, 
Leah Van joins us now, covers uh, LSU for The Advocate, has had a bunch going on, and is kind enough to spend a few minutes. Uh, Leah, we're, we're kind of wading into this baseball conversation. LSU had their, their first pitch banquet to kind of get things rolling over the course of the weekend. This has got to be as excited as LSU baseball fans have been in a really long time, and we know how passionate that bunch is. Yeah, I mean, the hype is real. There were over a 1,000 people at the LSU First Pitch Banquet last night. I think it was a record. They sold out. They didn't have any tables for media to eat, but that's fine. Um, Not better. You know, it was <laughs> it was cool. Alex Bregman was there. He introduced Jay Johnson. You know, everybody, everybody's really excited about this season. They know it's going to be something special. So let's start with Jay Johnson. Uh, I, I saw on your Twitter timeline his quote about uh, you know wouldn't wouldn't leave this to manage the New York Yankees. This is the best job in baseball. Does he really believe that? Honestly, yeah. Um, Jay has this like very special love for college baseball, um, and I really that goes back to the profile I wrote on him last year. Um, you know, he just really loves developing players at this level and seeing them succeed. And then also, like, the SEC is its a special niche audience, as we all know, and they're dedicated. I mean, yes, of course the Yankees have an amazing fan base that spreads, like, all over the entire world, right? But I think here it's, like, it's kind of closer to you, right? Like, the fans are a little bit more involved. You actually get to meet them out on the streets every day. Um, they're donating money and resources um, to really develop the youngest talent to move on to the next level. And also, like, the College World Series is a very special experience, too. I mean, again, it's just different. It's kind of uh, um So, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's always dreamt of being a college baseball coach specifically. So, I believe it when it comes out of his mouth. He's not doing this for the money. Um, for other guys, I don't know. Maybe it's different. <laughs> What, what do we know about how LSU is going to use Paul Skeens, the, the transfer from, from Air Force, who I, I think first and foremost is a pitcher, but he's been a catcher and he's been a DH and he's played some positions along the way. Is he just going to be a pitcher for LSU when it's all said and done, or are they going to try and take advantage of his skill set in a bunch of different ways? They're going to use both sides. Um, Paul expressed in the fall that he does not want to pitch and hit in the same game. Um, I think that's what he did at Air Force. And so whatever days he's not he's not pitching, he'll probably be a DH. Um, they're working out specifically what that looks like. So is he going to start on a Friday night and then hit the next two nights, or is he going to start on a Sunday and start the weekend off hitting? Um, but I, you know, my personal prediction is he's your Friday night starter. Um, that has not been made official or at all, but he is, like, the strongest, the most experienced, um, he is a starting pitcher. He started at Air Force. Like some people have said, maybe he'll come out as a closer. No, no, no. LSU needs starters. He can eat up innings. He knows how to start. He's going to be a starter. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the layout for how they're going to use him. All right, so Jay Johnson says, yeah, we're going to figure out how to distribute the talent. But what your, your answer to that question immediately kind of puts my antenna up. You, you get Tommy White transferring in from NC State. You know you've got Trey Morgan returning at first base. Um, is Tommy White going to sit on the bench for two games a weekend if Paul Skeens is the DH when he's not pitching? You're talking about the guy that had 27 home runs as a, as a true freshman last year. How's this going to work? No, because no. Uh, no, Tommy White 
came to LSU specifically. He wanted, he chose a school that would let him play third base. Okay, so he is going to um, be a third. Okay. Yeah, he's a true third baseman. This is not a Jacob Berry situation. He loves playing third base. He's played third base his entire life, um, and he missed playing in the field. That's kind of part of the reason why he reopened his uh, recruitment and entered the transfer portal. Um, so, yeah, he will be playing third base. Uh, Trey Morgan will be at first. The bigger question is who's going to play at second. But Tommy White's going to be in the lineup every single game. Sorry to every other team. That's going to suck. Yeah, but it's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, when uh, I, I am curious, are we going to see Skeens at all catching, or is that now in the rearview mirror? I think that's in the rearview mirror. Um, LSU is loaded at the catching position now. Alex Malazzo will return this year. Um, they got Brady Neal, who was drafted by the, I think it was the Milwaukee Brewers in the 15th round this summer and ended up coming to college. Um, you've got Jared Jones, who I think can catch and also play first. Get Hayden Travinsky coming back, who's, you know, a veteran on the team. Um, played a little bit in Cape Cod this summer. Um, so he can catch and he's fully healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of catchers that LSU can use to not have to put Paul Skeens in that position. It's it's going to be a really fascinating thing. And then the the outfield is going to look like what? I mean, we, we know the guy that's going to be in center field. What, what about the rest of that outfield group for LSU? Yeah, I mean, I think Josh Pearson made a really strong case for himself last year at right field, and I think he played a little bit of left field also. So he's pretty versatile, and he's a strong uh, strong guy in the lineup. Also, he's a he's a really um, hard. He's, his approach at the plate is really um, instrumental, especially in that leadoff position, which he kind of took on last year. So I think keeping him out of the lineup uh, would be tough. Paxton Kling is this true freshman that has a lot of speed. Um, also, can hit some bombs. So I wouldn't be surprised if he takes that spot at left field. Um, Josh Stevenson kind of saw some time over there last year. Of course, we all know that his brother played for the Nationals, Andrew Stevenson. Yep. So, um, you know, there's some talent at the left field position. Um, you know, they, they might be one of those things where it kind of depends on uh, its matchups. You know, Jay Johnson is really keen on that with the lineup matching up. You know, the left-handed batters with the right-handed pitchers and, you know, the right-handed batters with the left-handed pitchers. So it's, I think that will also kind of weigh into the decision as to who plays in the outfield. Um, you've got Gavin Dugas returning. He's a senior. He's played in the outfield. He also could play in the infield at second base um, and rotate out with Ben Nepal, which is that new transfer from Virginia, Commonwealth. So um, there's a lot of different ways that this lineup can go. Leah, last thing for you. only got about 30 seconds left. How does Christian Little fit into this? The, the transfer for Vanderbilt, who looks so promising as a freshman, maybe kind of took a step back a little bit a year ago. Is he part of the weekend rotation? I think he could make a case. I think he's competitive. Um, so I don't, I don't know about the week. I don't know about the weekend. He would have to beat out Ty Floyd, Grant Taylor, and Thatcher Hurd. I'm fairly sure will probably be starting one of the days too. Um, I see him more like he is a guy who can eat up a lot of innings, and he does want to get into that starting position. He'll be playing here, you know, for another year, so he could be a starter next year. So maybe you see him as like a mid-game reliever. Maybe you see him more in like playing in later innings. I know that. Um, he tried to start at Vanderbilt and was kind of shaky, but he's definitely capable of starting. So maybe he's yep. starting on a Tuesday night until he gets comfortable and acquainted. So it'll be interesting to see how the rotation shakes out. I'll get started on February 17th. That's an LSU preview. Leah, thanks so much for your time.
Thank you. Leah Van on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. We should have been doing this for the last seven or eight years, but we'll start it right now. 25 teams in 25 days. All right. Is a bunt to third. James to first. He's out. What a way to end it. And what a way to end a drought. Mississippi State, the national champions, destroying Vanderbilt 9-0. One two pitch. Struck him out. From last four in to last team standing. Ole Miss has won the College World Series. Say it's baseball season. Yeah, say let's go. Say I love baseball. And it's 25 teams in 25 days. And say hotty toddy. And hail state. And to the top. Say play ball. Play ball. Down the down to February 17th, opening day. James with the cameo in the 25 teams in 25 days open. Just time. We're going to get you ready for the uh, for the start of the college baseball season. Obviously, we're talking LSU, the preseason consensus number one today. There's only one thing that Leah said that I would push back on. She said LSU was loaded at catcher. We had somebody texting with us about that as well. And, and she mentioned Alex Malazzo. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If Brady Neal, the true freshman from Tallahassee, can hit at all, he's going to be playing catcher for LSU this year. He was a 17th-round pick of the Brewers that decided to come to school, top-ranked catcher out of the state of Florida, and number 2 catcher nationally, and a top-30 prospect from Perfect Game. LSU, when you think about the catching position through the years, has been really, really good. They haven't been great behind the dish for a number of years. And they weren't, like, exceptional defensively last year at catcher. Had some injuries back there. And Alex Malazzo couldn't hit a lick. So I don't think necessarily of them being loaded at catcher. they got bodies. I'm going to be interested to see, though, if the true freshman Brady Neal emerges. So there are a couple of things that stood out to me. Tommy White's going to play third base every day for LSU. You don't know who Tommy White is. You've you've kind of forgotten. He was the ACC Player of the Year last year as a true freshman at NC State. Six feet, 242 pounds. He hit 27 home runs with 12 doubles and 74 RBIs with a 362 average last year at NC State. And the best nickname in the sport. Tommy Tanks. Tommy, Tommy Tanks. LSU and their NIL efforts, they have decided they're they're done playing around with baseball. They're going to get back to the old days. Because look at the, the talent they brought in. It's incredible. 
That, that is a fascinating situation because well, we live in a state where baseball players are making NIL money. You know, Arkansas players will. There's other programs scattered around the country. Not many, but there are are them yeah. that will have baseball players that will be making some money, like actual money, not like 500 bucks here or there, but true, like NIL deals. If the rumors are true, LSU is not doing what everybody else is doing. LSU is all in, like way overspending, basically, for what everybody else is doing for baseball. Imagine if you don't win with that. Could you see? That's the thing, right? Two million dollars. I've heard five plus million dollars into baseball, and then you don't win. How? I mean, how you would feel after that? How many linebackers could have that money gotten you instead? What about a five-star point guard? That's it's a lot of money to sink into baseball. And that's the thing with LSU this year is the last two years, college baseball and the SEC have had the big bad, right? It was Arkansas two years ago. Yep. It was Tennessee last year. Now, Tennessee wasn't preseason number one, but they quickly got went up the polls. And so, you know, you ask yourself, is LSU going to be like that, dominate the regular season, and then when it gets to the Super Regionals, flame out? You know, we'll see. Here's what I don't know about LSU, right? We, we, we know they're going to hit. This is a lineup that is going to perhaps give you PTSD if you're an Ole Miss fan and, and you think back to two seasons ago and that Arizona Super Regional and those guys just up and down the lineup that could hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. They're going to have that. I need to know more about the rotation. I mean, Paul Skeens, the transfer from Air Force, Friday night starter, okay. I need to know more after that. And are they going to slug their way to a title? LSU was not good defensively last year. Like, not good at all defensively last year. They made 82 errors in 62 games. A 962 fielding percentage in college baseball is brutal. So are they going to be better defensively? And what's the pitching going to look like? It. We know they're going to win a bunch of games swinging the bat, but I'm curious about those other two things. Because, as we've seen, it's not always the best team that carries home the trophy at the end of June. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. 
That's right here in Seaspire Country. Check them out online at seaspire.com slash business. We're coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit it in person. You've got the Crystal Gaming Terminals where you can sit there and you can bet in-game. You have like 30 or 40 TVs in there. You can uh, you can place your bets at the, at the register where you deal with the person. You can go to the terminal and do it on your own. Not to mention great food and great drink. It's all at the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Find out more at PearlRiverResort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Uh, we'll get to the college football fix in just a second. You guys alerted me to some news that uh, surprised me, honestly. Uh, Chip Carey, the television voice of the Atlanta Braves, is leaving the Braves to join the Cardinals. Uh Dan McLaughlin had been the longtime voice of the St. Louis Cardinals and was relieved of his position after um, multiple off-the-field indiscretions. It's very public. He got his third DUI, and they did not keep him on staff. And that was a job that had a lot of national interest, um, and apparently Chip Carey is uh, going to make that uh, that transition to St. Louis, which uh, there were a lot of people that thought that that was something that he wanted, but maybe was not at the top of the list for, but uh, apparently that is uh, the case. Of course, he is the son of the late Braves broadcaster Skip Carey, grew up in St. Louis, grandson of legendary Cardinals and later Cubs broadcaster Harry Carey. So, interesting times, and we'll be... Fascinating to see what happens on the Braves side of things because that is a really good job. There is a huge audience for Braves games. It's not like it was with TBS. Now that you have to do the Valley Sports thing. Um, Borky, you were wondering out loud if Ben Ingram might slide over from radio to television. Who knows? He's really good. And really talented. I was disappointed to see that, at least on the basketball side of things, that the league wasn't going to buy up the uh, the RSNs like they were possibly considering because it's getting harder and harder to watch the Braves if you're a Braves fan or the Grizzlies or the Pels or the Predators or whoever. It's the carriage stuff is obnoxious. That's we've got access to everything except for the teams we want to watch. Sometimes, yeah. hopefully, they get that figured out soon. Yeah, yeah. there was a time where the radio team and the TV team in Atlanta were kind of like all mixed and they just rotated through, right? I mean, you'd have some Skip Carey on the broadcast and you'd have Pete Van Weeren and you had Joe Simpson and, and they all just kind of rotated through the two broadcasts. I've actually heard some people say that the Braves might like to eventually return to that type of a broadcast setup. You got a huge radio network, huge television following, We'll see. We'll uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Let's uh, let's jump in. What do we say to the college football fix? Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. 
You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. That is the Ford F-150. Into its 46th year with F-Series as the best-selling truck in America. Uh, so what are we talking? We're talking acquisitions, transfer portal acquisitions. It's a good weekend around here for adding players in the portal. It was in Starkville and in Oxford. Let's start in Starkville, where former Vanderbilt quarterback Mike Wright has committed to Mississippi State. What does this yeah. mean, Brian Haydad? Well, I think it mean it can mean a couple of things. I think first and foremost, it definitely means that you know Mississippi State needed a quarterback. Needed to have a third guy if for the spring. They couldn't go through with two. Certainly didn't want to go through the season with two. And Mike Wright provides a very competent and capable backup if that's indeed the role he's going to play. I think he provides you with a player who you can maybe design some packages and play calls for because he certainly has a different skill set than Will Rogers does, i.e., he can run and <laughs> Will Rogers cannot. Very well, So I think you'll too. definitely see. Like he's, he's not good just runner. a runner. He's like a high-level one. Yeah. And he's a decent enough passer. I mean, I don't think he would have been good in the air raid system, but in the bar base system, maybe different. And then I think three, I think he can provide some competition to Will Rogers in, in the in the spring and, and have sort of what appears to be a quarterback competition. I don't think it's going to be, you know, wide open. I think Will Rogers is firmly entrenched in the star as a starter, but if Wright comes in as an impressive he could make a, a push for playing time. I think you'll definitely see him on the field a good bit next year just because of the, the different skill set that he has. And it, it provides a bridge for State for, for between Rodgers and Chris Parson because, you know, you're looking ahead into the next season. You know, I don't know if Parson will be ready to go as a redshirt freshman or not. So you at least have a veteran there that you can rely on. I would, if you said pick a quarterback for the 2024 season, my guess is it's somebody who's playing somewhere else this year. State will probably have a portal quarterback next year, I would I would imagine. But at least now you have the bridge and you have a veteran guy who's got a couple of years to play for you with Mike Wright. Yeah, and, and if you're, for whatever reason, of the opinion that Mike Wright is going to come in and beat Will Rogers out for the starting quarterback job, I would remind you that he got benched as the starting quarterback at Vanderbilt this year. Yeah. Now he came back and he seemed to have, Handle it pretty well. He was good he at the Kentucky. beginning. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, he came back and and played well at the end of the season after he being Florida finished. too, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Well, he was the quarterback on the team that beat Florida. I don't know how much he beat Florida, yeah. but I think he ran the ball pretty effectively in yeah. that game. I have to go back and look, but but yeah, yeah the state needed a guy. They went out and got and they got a, a good guy. You know, it's 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 interesting how much we were connecting him with Ole Miss early on in the process. And he ends up at state, but I think yeah. I think it's a good pickup for state. Uh, and then a pass catcher uh, from the FCS level, Freddie Robertson from Eastern Washington, commits to uh, Mississippi State over the weekend. Yeah, and this is a guy that state had targeted uh, prior uh, to to Mike Leach's un, untimely uh, passing. A guy that they were they were already kind of after to sort of fill the role the the the, the void left by Ra Ra Thomas. Uh, a receiver who's caught a ton of passes, almost I think 150 passes total, close to it uh, at the FCS level, and and provides that that you know that veteran leadership that state you know could use a mature player, a guy who's been been there and done that, uh, is looking for a chance to succeed on on a higher level. So the production is certainly there, and uh, 
I felt like State, if they were going to take a receiver, it needed to be a guy they felt really, really confident about. They didn't need to reach for a guy. You know, last year we're with Robinson and Mosley, although Robinson looks like he's going to be a good player for you. You know, State had the depth in the receiver room last year to, to take a reach and sort of take some guys that they maybe they'll pan out, maybe they won't. This year, if you were going to get a receiver, they really needed to get a guy that they felt was proven, and I think they got that with Roberson. Do um, why why are you so immediately convinced that this is it for Will Rogers? He's got two years left of eligibility. This is it. This is it for Will Rogers. But, this but is why? It. This is his final season. What if he because plays I just well? don't believe he'll be. But then he'll go get drafted. I mean, come on. He's not an NFL quarterback. Okay. I mean, you're telling me he can't hold down one of the 96 jobs that are available there? Why, why do I get the feeling I can go back in time to 2014 and hear similar things about Dak Prescott? Why do I, why do I just have that, that bug in my ear right this second? Oh, come he can on, be an man. NFL that, quarterback. That is not even a remotely close comparison. It's not, but my point is, Will Rogers, if he goes out and has a good year in a new system, that and Prescott he can is show incredibly you athletic with a big arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody thought he should be a tight end. Cowherd did. My point is, if Will Rogers comes out in a new offensive system and has another good season, and he's put up the kind of numbers he's put up in his career, somebody will give him a look. I'm telling you right now, you can. if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but mark it down. January 23rd, 2023, the last game Will Rogers plays in for Mississippi State will be their bowl game this year. Okay. We'll see. You you, you seem to be very confident on this, so I'm not going to bet against you, but uh, we, uh, we will let this one play out. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up. We'll look at Ole Miss's recruiting weekend when we come back. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Pushback from Hot Brian Haydad. I questioned whether or not Will Rogers would be an NFL quarterback, and his response was, lots of people were saying that about Dak Prescott. You're usually a really good arguer of points. I don't think that was your best counter-argument. Well, my, my point is that there, there are, every year there are quarterbacks, and they're like, oh, that guy's not an NFL guy, and then they go to the NFL. It happens every season. Who? You don't think there are guys in the NFL right now? People were like, I don't know about that guy. I mean, Brock Purdy probably. Yeah. Probably would be a so, good example. You know, why, why can't Will Rogers be a guy like that? I don't think you can find a, a quarterback in the NFL that doesn't have big-time arm talent. I think Will Rogers is a fine quarterback. I do not think he has the ability to push the ball the way you've got to push it as an okay. NFL quarterback. Well, then he'll go sell insurance, but this is going to be his last year at Mississippi State. Again, my question was just why are you so convinced of that? Let's say Mississippi State goes. 
I, I know, but I, I want to know why. Let's say Mississippi State goes eight and four. They go to a bowl game and you know have a chance to win a ninth game. And it's not like competing to win the West, but it's far from sweating out whether or not they're going to make a bowl game. And, you know, in a first year of a new offensive system, Will Rogers plays pretty well. Why Why are you – again, my question is just why do you assume that he's done? Because when I talk to people at Mississippi State, that's what they tell me. Okay. I, mean, I don't know what else I can. I haven't talked to Will directly, but enough people around him have said, "Yeah, yeah, this is going to be it for him." Okay. Well, then that probably makes more sense. Maybe he's ready to be done. Um. All right, Borky. So Ole Miss had pretty good weekend in terms of additions to its roster. At least an active weekend active in terms of additions sure. to the roster. There might be more. What's interesting is. The, the portal news is is going to die quickly, but not yet. So the drop ad date, I believe, is Friday. There's a chance that they add a couple more. They added an offensive lineman today who was at Wyoming. Uh, I assume, based on resume, that he's a depth piece coming into. They don't expect him to start based on what they have, what they've added, and then his background. But either way, there's a, a chance that they get a couple more. But the portal window has has closed, and. The, the time to, to get in and get enrolled in class ends basically Friday. So the news is going to stop until it opens up again in May. But, yes, this weekend defensively very active. They added a linebacker. We talked about it a little bit on Friday. Uh, Montgomery Montgomery from Louisville. I don't know if that's actually his first name. But Monty Montgomery from Louisville played a ton of football there at uh, Louisville. Another one-year rental at linebacker. See if they can do it three years in a row. But, really productive, really good college player at a position that they desperately needed, and they still desperately need linebackers. I mean, they're, they're still working on a couple that have not decided yet. They will most certainly be working on more when the portal opens again in May. Pete Golding at Alabama at times has run four linebacker defenses, and right now they don't have the personnel to run four linebacker defenses. So that was a good start, but they're not done at the position yet. But that happened Friday. And they added a couple of defensive backs as well. Uh, Zamir Walton from Georgia Tech was a four-year starter. Started for four years at Georgia Tech, but because of COVID gets his extra eligibility, uh, they added him. So he's a one-year rental at, at defensive back, uh, long defensive back, six foot three, really productive, really good college player. And they need that because Igman Osen, as of this point, is still in the portal. And um, apparently Texas A&M is in hot pursuit. So you can imagine what comes with Texas A&M being in hot pursuit. Uh, they added another defensive back as well, Deshaun Gaddy. There was an outlet that reported that there might be a grade hang-up. I don't know if that is true or not. He's from North Texas. May or may not be true. I have no idea, but it was reported out there. He's an all-conference player at North Texas. So an active defensive weekend for Ole Miss. I believe they had a defensive lineman and an offensive lineman also visit this past weekend and they're working on a couple more linebackers. So it's really busy with spring practice like a month and a week away. And the truth is that Ole Miss is going to have to be active again in the spring and the summer in the transfer portal because they still got holes to fill. Yep. And and it's, you know... Linebacker especially, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they tried to add another safety or two. Also wouldn't be surprised if they tried to add another running back because as it sits right now, it's... You know, they got Judkins, and that's great. 
They've got Bentley, who was hurt most of last year. You think you can get something from him, and then a true freshman. But that that room can get thin quickly with a turned ankle, if you if you get my point. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are after a running back as well in the next portal window. Somebody said need another quarterback. Are we talking about Mississippi State or Ole Miss? I, I don't know how many more quarterbacks Ole Miss could get out of the transfer portal in this cycle. I think it seems, it seems I think like done. State, State's likely to probably look into the transfer portal again after the spring for another quarterback. We'll okay. see how that goes. Um, I have to read this message. Will Rogers has the arm strength as Peyton. He did okay. Peyton who? Peyton who? Peyton Manning? That's not accurate. I mean, are you talking about like Peyton Hillis, the running back from Arkansas? That saved a couple of people and was fighting for his life it, two weeks ago? His two children. And uh, he I think he got discharged from the hospital. That's awesome. That's, That's great awesome. news. Because if you're talking about Peyton Manning, I question if you've ever actually watched a football game. He's talking about Peyton Ramsey, the uh, former Indiana quarterback who also played a year at Northwestern. That's the only other Peyton oh, yeah. I could find on Google. I mean, did you just Google like Peyton I, quarterback? I, I Googled quarterbacks named Peyton, and that was the second result. I mean, my response was, was I'm sorry, what? Peyton who? Jeff says if Peyton threw the ball more than 30 yards, it was a dying quote. Yeah, he didn't throw a beautiful ball, but it was not without velocity, certainly not early in his career. I think people are blind because the end of Peyton's career, he couldn't throw the football. Ben, if you watched Peyton Manning go through a warm-up in his time at Tennessee, it was a work of art. Like, his pregame warm-up was like, man, that's just worth watching. Like, it makes me wonder if this person has ever watched a Mississippi State game, a Tennessee game, an NFL game, like any game ever. If you think Will Rogers has the same level of arm strength as Peyton Manning. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Did the Peytons drive the Herbie car played by Lindsey Lohan? Somebody said he's talking about Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean Payton was a, 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 a replacement league uh, quarterback, right? Yeah, it's Marv's, right? Somewhere along the way. Need him to hurry up and make that decision because I want to get excited about the draft, and right now I'm not. What? Where he either comes back to New Orleans as the coach or New Orleans gets draft picks for him not coming back yeah. and, and it, coaching it, somewhere else? It doesn't. So, for what it's worth. The, the team clearly, based on a Mark Ingram interview recently, realizes that he didn't retire, he didn't need, need time off, he was quitting, and they don't want him back. That if they brought him back, it would create a locker room issue because they believe that he quit on them. Now, they'd probably get over it because they're professionals and that's what you do, but it would not be a smooth transition uh, for him to return as head coach. There would there would have to be some come-to-Jesus stuff that would have to happen because the team knows that he left when it got hard and he didn't retire because he needed some time off. He wanted to get away from the team, and they know that now. 
We've had several questions. We talked about this earlier today during the show about uh, whether or not Rara Thomas was arrested. The answer to that is yes, Georgia wide receiver Rara Thomas or Rodarius Thomas was arrested early this morning on a felony charge of false imprisonment and misdemeanor battery, family violence. Uh, he is a junior from Eufaula, Alabama, obviously cha- uh, transferred to Georgia from Mississippi State after being the leading receiver for Mississippi State a year ago. ESPN has now obtained a copy of the arrest warrant, and Thomas is accused of felony false imprisonment because he allegedly confined and detained the victim, quote, without legal authority by standing in front of the dorm room door, blocking the exit, telling her she cannot leave. He is accused of misdemeanor battery because he allegedly, quote, did intentionally cause visible body harm by causing bruising to the right biceps and bruising and abrasion to her shins. In a statement, Georgia says, we are aware of a reported incident involving conduct by one of our student-athletes. While we are limited in what we can say about the incident, the report is disappointing and not reflective of the high standards we have for our student-athletes on and off the field. In addition to following internal athletic association policies, we will be working closely with our administration to ensure we cooperate fully with all law enforcement and campus protocols. The Georgia Athletics Association mandates suspension for anyone charged with a felony. So he is currently not a part of the Georgia football team. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix driven by Ford. We'll be right back. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Visit Oxford. That's your home for all things that are happening in and around Oxford. Busy, uh, busy spring coming up. Be sure to click on the events page and find the calendar of events, all of the things that are happening in and around Oxford, and be sure to follow them on all of their social media channels, that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us this afternoon. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Going back to the uh, playoffs from the weekend. So you had four NFL games, and... Borky described it earlier as, and I'm paraphrasing, setting the table for what is to come. He used the comparison of if you're watching a uh, like a, a streaming show or a, even a show on television that's a drama, sometimes you'll get to an episode where it's really building to what's coming in the next episode, maybe the season finale or close to the end of the season where it just builds one on another. It wasn't so much the results this weekend, but what it set up for this coming weekend in the conference championship games. Conference championship games where you've got 
Bengals Chiefs in Kansas City, and you've got Niners Eagles in Philly. This is not like college football where you're like, oh, man, what a great atmosphere that's going to be. But you know what? In some ways, kind of like college football, when you think about those two places for an NFL championship game with a trip to the Super Bowl hanging in the balance, what an atmosphere that's going to be in both Kansas City and Philly. That jail underneath the stadium there, it's not, is it Lincoln Financial Field still? There is. There in Philly? Yeah, that jail underneath the stadium is going to be busy on Sunday. You know what? I have not actually seen the jail. I've been in the bowels of that stadium. I've done. I think the jail was at the old, the the old old veteran stadium. I don't think. I don't think the jail is at the link. Yeah, I, I don't think they've got one at the link. Maybe that was at Veterans Stadium. But Borky, so to get in to the broadcast it has booth, one. like the vet, Lincoln Financial Field has a jail inside the stadium that contains four <laughs> cells. Well, okay. So they uh, they they actually next time took I do it a down, Temple game, I'm going to have to ask and see if I can see that. When they initially built the stadium, apparently uh, they they put it in there, but then they got rid of it. So it's not there okay. anymore, but they built it into the the new stadium as well, and I guess decided that was barbaric. Mm. Useful, they, they but had, maybe barbaric. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about Philly, right? They had a judge at the stadium on game day just to expedite the process. <laughs> Don't take them downtown, boys. We got a judge right here. <laughs> wow. Just process them immediately inside the stadium. Yeah, right there. Perfect. So, when you look at these matchups this weekend, and and maybe it's like this every year when you get to the uh, to the conference championship games. I don't remember it being exactly like this. Philadelphia is a two and a half point favorite at home over San Francisco, and the line in Cincinnati and Kansas City has actually moved during the show today. When we came on at 3 o'clock, it was even. It was a pick em. Cincinnati is now a one-point favorite in that game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Don't you think that kind of clues you in on Mahomes' health? To some degree. He's going to play. It, yeah. I mean, that, that was the stuff of legends last week. I, I got a text from a friend. It was like, you guys are going to obsess over Mahomes. I'm so sick of it. It's like, how could you not? You saw what happened to his leg. He couldn't walk, and yet he comes back into the game and and was as good as he was on one leg. I mean, it just it adds to the legend that is Patrick Mahomes. That was one of those performances. It's unfortunate it wasn't a championship game. It was a divisional round game, but high ankle sprain, has to get shot up with whatever they shoot those guys up with in the locker room at halftime, comes back out and wins the game. Would they have won the game without him? No. Don't think so. No. He's so good. There's a chance they lost with him. I mean, the Jags had a bad fumble when they were on their way in to score. Could have changed everything. Yeah. So, but that that was legendary stuff from a legendary player. I mean, he is, he is so special. And to my friend, because I know you're listening right now, stop being cynical. Enjoy him. He's... The best. Just embrace it. Although he might is be he even is he even the best in that game on Saturday, Sunday? Beg your pardon, Sunday. Yes, I don't know. He is. He is going into the game. 
But By the he's way, hobbled. Mahomes numbers this year. He threw for over five thousand yards. Yeah, and, and threw for a little a, over fifty two hundred yards actually. And at points in the season, people were saying that he was playing poorly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It's gonna be cold in both places, but at least right now, no prediction of snow. Thirty-five for the uh, kickoff time for the Chiefs Bengals game, which is the late game on CBS. Two o'clock Central Time kick for the uh, the early game, the NFC game in Philly. By the way, the get in the door price in Philadelphia is five hundred seventy-two dollars. Cheapest ticket on Monday, five seventy-two for Niners Eagles. Two eighty-eight for Bengals Chiefs. Whew. Can't be as bad as the TCU fans that spent a few thousand bucks to sit in the nosebleeds to watch their team get beat like they were Texas Christian University of the Highlands. Like some satellite campus that has a 32-player football team. Jeff in Grenada says the better question is, would Dallas have won without Dak yesterday? Depends on who you replace him with. You saying Cooper Rush was going to go into San Francisco and win? No. No. Again, and and we talked about this some in the first hour of the show, if you're placing all the blame on Dak, you're not, and and I'm going a different direction than than we talked about it earlier. Think if you were placing all the blame on Dak, then you're not giving enough credit to the San Francisco defense. Now, you can say that, oh, there should be blame that's placed on Jerry Jones or Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore, wherever you want to place the blame. That's all fine. But you're not giving enough credit to maybe the best defense in the league. Not even maybe. It's the best defense in the league. So, we'll see. Hey, let's talk hoops for a second. Real quick, did you see that the picture that Andre sent us on the text line? Uh, Our friends, world class, over in Leland, Mississippi. Oh, wow, they're getting the uh, they're getting the championship game stencils ready. Got that Super Bowl stencil ready to go. Yeah. So when you are watching the NFC and AFC championship game and the Super Bowl, no, the logos and the paint on the field were done by a company in Old Leland, Mississippi, of all places in the United States. That's where that was made. And what a business they built. Just such a cool show. Cool story. Yeah. We visited with them a while back. It's uh, it, It's gone from installing and painting tennis courts to a paint company for sports fields. The United States over. That's awesome. All right, hey, Dad. You said good crowd on uh, on Saturday for Mississippi State Florida two point win for the Florida Gators on uh, on Saturday night. Certainly, that's a disappointing loss, right? Because I mean, that's one where you had a chance, mm-hmm. and it looked like they weren't going to have one early. You know, State was down sixteen in the first half, and Florida was just getting everything they wanted. But State, you know, and State, I think the first half was probably as bad as it was against Tennessee in that game in Knoxville. I mean, State couldn't do anything on either side of the court. In the second half, they were able to ratchet up the defense, and that turned into some some opportunities for them. And they they had hit a few threes that they would not normally hit. Uh, Deshaun Davis had some big shots there. 
They overcame a bad night from Tulu Griffin or Tulu uh, Tolu Smith. I can never keep them straight. Tolu Dude. Smith, he was five of fifteen from the field, but Will McNair came in was five of six and really played well. Another good game for the big man. Um, but in the end, Tolu you know, did have a double he, double. They, they, he had twelve and eleven, but he had twelve and eleven. He's five of fifteen shooting. He was a minus nine on the night. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you fall behind sixteen. They were able to you know tie the game a couple of times. They never got the lead. And then you get the ball 12 seconds to go, chance to tie or take the lead, and, and just can't can't get the shot to fall. Had a, a good look from D.J. Jeffries. Cam Matthews gets the put back and can't get it to fall, and they go down in defeat. Florida escapes with the win, and they move to 11-8 and eight on the year. Did something happen with Colin Castleton, or is he just a guy that play players well. don't like? Say what? I, I think he has, he, just, he has a little bit of that vibe, yeah. Okay. The, the the white guy for the other team that draws the ire of the home crowd, it's a thing. Imagine that. It is, it a, very is much a, thing. a thing. We have we have seen that in college basketball for a really long time. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi to the junction in the grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Right, so we'll finish up today with a snapshot from Hoops in the SEC over the weekend. Alabama beat Missouri 85-64. Bama looks locked in. They're still undefeated in the SEC, 17-2 overall, up to number two in the country, and they win by 21 on the road. Do they have a weakness? Because, like, off-shooting night's not a weakness. That's just basketball. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say their reliance on the three if they have an off-shoot. A, a weakness and the ability to lose a game, maybe not the same thing. They're really, really good. Really good. Like, win it all good. See if they do. But they're good enough to win it all. Tennessee, are they good enough to win it all? I don't know. I feel like there are more there are more off nights offensively for Tennessee than there are for Alabama. But they win by 21 in Baton Rouge. Auburn goes on the road and they win at South Carolina 81-66. Ole Miss goes to Arkansas and it's a 3-point game at the half and really Ole Miss kind of had that game where they wanted it for much of the first half. Um but then Arkansas hits a couple of threes before the break. And Matthew Morrell gets injured, and Arkansas outscores Ole Miss by nine in the second half on the way to a 12-point win, 69-57. Vandy goes to Georgia, and they win at 85-82 to get to 3-3 three and three in the SEC. That's the record for both of those teams. And Kentucky, what is that, three straight now? After the bad home loss to South Carolina, they've won weekend, midweek, weekend, 76-67 over Texas A&M when we talked about Florida and Mississippi State just a little while ago. Only three games tomorrow night. LSU is at Arkansas at 6 o'clock Central Time. Missouri is at Ole Miss, SEC Network, 6 o'clock Central Time tomorrow night. And Kentucky is at Vanderbilt for an 8 o'clock tip-off tomorrow night in Nashville. Not that... 
it's an uncomfortable conversation, but that, not not that Keith Carter needs any more reason to. But I feel like you're going to have a, a the silence is going to be deafening in the pavilion tomorrow. Like impossible to ignore deafening, and, and knowing that Keith Carter's a basketball guy, I mean they could pack the place out, and he would still probably think that what is it five and twenty in the SEC in the last twenty five games is not acceptable. But you're you're going to be able to visualize some things tomorrow, possibly. The only saving grace for a crowd tomorrow night is the fact that classes started back today. So you do have students back on campus. Maybe you get a little bit better student crowd tomorrow night than you've had for the last few home games. Kind of grasping at straws there, we'll see. Six o'clock tip-off? I don't know. I, I, I think it, attendance will be sparse. Outside of maybe having a decent student crowd, attendance will be sparse tomorrow night. It's just where you are. Yeah. And, and I don't blame a single person. That That is not fan shaming. I don't blame you. Yeah. Somebody said, what's the uh, update on Matthew Morrell's injury? I, I don't know. Um, the report I saw was that they were thankful that it was kind of his heel being stepped on as opposed to just really turning his ankle and knee on his own, immediately iced his knee on the sideline, did not return in the game. Uh, we'll see. We will uh, we'll absolutely see. Um, fun show today. Talk some baseball. Had, uh, we had James in the baseball 25 teams in 25 days intro. Yeah. That was fun. Did he enjoy doing that? Oh, he, he loved it. Oh, my okay. gosh. Because he sees me do it. And so now, yeah. like, I mean, so I, I unplugged the microphone from the computer, obviously, when we were done, so I could edit it all together. And he pulled the microphone over and was just saying stuff into it. So he loved it. That's uh, that's pretty cool. He likes baseball. He also, anytime there's a sport on, his first thing is to call it baseball, and then he'll correct and be like, oh, wait, no, that's not baseball. That's basketball or football or whatever. But it's always first thought is that baseball. It's kind of like every time the phone rings on uh, our morning call, he thinks it's Pop Pop on the phone. It's not Pop Pop. And Hey Dad has gone. Pop Pop. He's like, it's not Pop Pop, James. It's not. Sorry to disappoint you. He loves his Pop Pop. Just trying to let him know. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't love Pop Pop? Did did we learn anything today? I learned that Tommy White's going to be starting every day at third base for LSU. We did learn that. And that uh, Paul Skeens is likely to be their Friday night starter. We started our countdown of 25 teams in 25 days. I don't even know if 25 is the exact number of days, but we're going to get 25 teams in between now and February 17th. No, 25 is right. Okay. 28 was Friday. There you go. Perfect. Michael Borky planned it out perfectly. And uh, we'll go through all 14 teams in the – actually, we'll go through the 12 teams in the SEC that are not Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We'll get Southern Miss in there. We will uh, We'll get some other top 25 teams and some opponents for the Rebels and the Bulldogs as we count you down to the start of the college baseball season. That will do it on this Monday afternoon. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.